felt something yesterday I was trying to prepare, and I just kept feeling something I couldn't put my finger on. So let me just tell you something about God. He wants you to walk by faith. How many hear me? And walking by faith is not walking by understanding thoughts, feelings, emotions. It means uh, sometimes the only thing you have is what God has spoken and nothing else. And, that's walk- and He won't tell you everything ahead of time. And that is probably the most aggravating aspect of it for me because uh, my, my cranium likes to know everything. And it just doesn't work that way. And uh, the ministry gift God placed in me is teacher. But i got this other area that's kind of prophetic-like in that it, it just senses things. I sense the atmosphere. Even when I'm teaching, I sense the atmosphere. And um, so that's a little different, but this is a lot different than teaching. So I don't have any notes today. Will y'all forgive me if I mess up? I think everything will be all right. But I really feel that um, God wants to do something in our hearts. We're living in such a harsh time. And I don't even think the worst of the harshness has come yet. And there are divisive forces worldwide seeking to separate, like I mentioned earlier, families, friends, um, husbands, wives, really parents from children. I mean, it's strong right now. And you can feel it in the atmosphere. People are, some people are going berserk about it. And, you know, you know, people are on edge. They have pent up frustrations and pent up emotions. And then sometimes they just lash out in ways, and I don't really think they mean to. I think all of a sudden something hits them and there they go, you know. You see it, I mean, you can see it in the grocery store. You can see it. Lord, you see it about everywhere, you know. People on their jobs that are on edge. But you know, when you know Jesus, he takes the edge off. And I was reminded here just a moment ago, um, the Lord reminded me of Matthew 24, 12. This is a paraphrase, the message paraphrase. And I think he summarized best what perhaps we're dealing with today for many others. The overwhelming spread of evil will do them in. Nothing left of their love but a mound of ashes. Wow. You can see that, right? And that's kind of where we are. What, what the Lord wants to do right now is uh, the best thing we can do. I was going to be teaching on faith today, and I had, I mean, I was going to have to say I won't even get the point. I have five points on the practical application. If I can't even go there, I, I think point two. I think point two I can get to because. Because point two of my outline I was going to minister from today is, uh, is faith is a heart thing. And to walk with God, he just has to have your heart. That's, that's How many hear me? That's the most important thing. So, so what that means is a child can walk with God just as clearly as an adult can. Because it's not education. It's not, it's not mental stuff. It's a heart thing. And... and a child, in fact, there's a scripture that says a little child shall lead them. How many hear me? The mouth of babes, you have perfected praise, the psalmist said. So there's just, again, uh, it, it's not a mental thing, it's a, it's a heart thing. God's after our hearts today, and the enemy, like I said earlier, let me just frame this for you. The enemy is seeking to divide so he can conquer. He's seeking to divide the world so he can conquer the world with the spirit of Antichrist, seeking to, con- to conquer our nation by division. You know, you've heard for 
you know, years and years and years, united we stand, divided we fall. Jesus said a house divided against itself can't stand. And, uh, and so you can see the division taking place right now. And, and the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in our hearts as believers so that even if we disagree with someone, we can still love them. How you doing with that? Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. That means use you to their advantage and persecute you. How you doing with that? I think as Americans, we've watched so many movies that when the person that's done wrong finally gets his way, he drives them in the dirt. You know what I'm saying? God doesn't do that. You know, the only just person I know in the universe, the only truly just person is God the Father because he knows all, he sees all, and he understands all. And you can have somebody that's given somebody a spit bath, but you don't know what's behind that spit bath they're given. There's pent up things that need to be let go. Here's a person involved in all kinds of sexual immorality, and it says bad, I've never seen it this bad since I've been alive. But see, behind that is an unmet something inside, and Jesus wants to meet the need. How many hear what I'm saying? So here's a person that's an astute liar, and every other word is a lie. Behind that is, an un, un, that it is a heart that's hard. And see, if Jesus gets a hold of your heart, He'll change who you are and how you live. How many hear me? So it's not about being the right kind of person. No, it's about knowing him. Because if you know him, he will grab your heart and he'll just squeeze it a little bit and deal with one thing at a a time. A prophet Isaiah, it's funny how this works. I start talking and it just, I feel it. So the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 28, it said, for line upon line, Precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. 2 Corinthians 3, 18 reveals that we are changed from glory to glory. One level of the presence of God to another level of the presence of God. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So there's change. There's incremental change that God brings to a human personality when He's invited in. The new birth cleanses you from sin. Are you glad about that? So if you're listening online or you're in the room, and ask yourself, the, uh, let me ask you this question, and how you answer this question determines whether or not you really are. Are you or have you been born again? And so I, I ask people that, and, and if they say, what is that? I know they haven't, right? Jesus said, except you be born again, literally born from above, You won't enter into the kingdom of God. Our human spirits are separated from God. We're dead in sin. That's what the Bible reveals about the human race. All of us from conception right on up, we're bereft of a, a, a relationship with God. And that's why Jesus came. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. That whoever believes in Him will not perish, that is perish in hell, and then in eternity, the lake of fire, but have everlasting life. Have is present tense. Have, possess, everlasting life. That word for life is the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E. It's pronounced Z-O-A, zoe. And it means life 
in the absolute sense, life as God has it or the life and nature of God. Isn't that awesome? In fact, Romans 5, 5 reveals that the love of God has been placed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. That means if I'm born again, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in me. Yes or no? And when he comes in, he kicks out the, the, what, what Romans 6 calls the old man's sin. And he places in us a new nature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Everybody say new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. You know, when I, when I really got born again, just before I was 18 years old, I can tell that old things had passed away. The tendency to lie, I couldn't lie anymore. Cursing, I could, I could curse just as, and use expletives just as well, just as good as anybody. But I couldn't do it anymore. In fact, I had to let a few slip out because of habit. I can't do that. Because a new nature had taken place, right? If you're a lustful person, I'll tell you, he'll come after that lust. You hear me? If you're an angry person, he'll come after the anger. If you're a, 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 if you're a narcissist, everything's about you, pleasing you. You know what? He'll come after that. If you're selfish and you view everything from the lens of what helps you the most, He'll come after that. He'll say, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me, Jesus said. It's amazing what he does. So with every person, it could be something different. For me, it was just pride. I had pride 10 miles deep in me. For me, it's anger. For me, it was lust. For me, it was just trying to think everything out, figure everything out ahead of time. See, God will come for you. How many hear me? And I'm telling you, he's coming for the body of Christ today. Ephesians 5, verses always challenge me. Ephesians 5, Paul said he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And, you know, I, I can't look any further than the mirror. See, God's got a lot of spots and wrinkles. Whew, what you going to do? Well, I can tell you from personal experience, and you probably are sensing this, God's asking you to come stir it up a bit, come up a notch spiritually. Is he or is he not? You know, James 4, 8, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. So what you sense in the atmosphere now is a conflict of kingdoms. There's a convergence of both the dark kingdom and God's kingdom. The dark kingdom, I just can't figure them out. How do they think they're going to win? I mean, Satan already uh, created an upheaval against God in heaven. And a third of the angels, Bible scholars uh, think per perhaps, fell with him eons ago back in eternity, like Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14. He's already created one uh, insurrection against God, why does he think he can do it this time and be successful? In fact, that time it was in heaven, it didn't work. How on, how on the world does he think he can do it on earth and get by with it? Huh? Not going to work. But that's what you see, and that's what we sense, and that's what we feel. So, you know, uh, the road ahead looks uh, 
controlled and um, invasive and uh, bereft of um, spiritual reality in the, in the natural world, but, but the road ahead for God's people. It looks like uh, closeness, honesty, intimacy with God. Intimacy, let me talk about that word again. We don't like, intimacy usually has a sexual connotation in our culture, which is sad. But the best person I've ever heard use the word intimacy was my friend. His name was Jack Frost. And he died in 2007, a good friend of mine. He came to our church many times. But he said intimacy could be defined as, and I never heard anybody say it any better, into me, see. See, God's looking at us. He's wanting to be close to us. He's wanting us to draw near. The reason he wants you to draw near is two reasons. If you draw near to God in your heart, you'll become like Jesus. And you'll shed your anger and your gossip, whatever it is, you know. Your, your drug stuff, your sex stuff, your selfish stuff. <laughs> and there's just something about him. That sweetens life. How many have experienced that? How many want more of that? Yeah. So what you're sensing right now is a discontent. Most, If you're a believer today, and I don't care what church you attend, you're watching online, or maybe you're here and you attend another church normally, you're sensing a real discontent with yourself. Let me just say um, some of that is God-inspired because he doesn't want you to be satisfied where you are living the way you've been living. There's a, there's a higher way of living. Songs come to my mind when I speak. I have songs. I love songs. When I get to heaven, you're going to hear me singing somehow. I'm all sing. There's a song we sang in the Baptist church. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. What's the next part? My prayer, my aim is higher ground. And then the chorus goes, Lord, lift me up and... Make me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, set my feet on higher ground. That's the name of the song, higher ground. You can look it up. Uh, when I went to Africa, we have a bunch of churches in, in Ethiopia, and I've said this before, but you know, I can still in my mind's eye see going down the eight-hour trip from Addis Ababa down south. We have uh, two areas. We have churches, the Coffee District, uh, Dilla and uh, Yurga Chefi. Coffee is famous worldwide. We have churches there. And we have another area of churches um, in the Omo Valley, the Omo River. It's not too far from a couple of several hours from Sudan. It's having problems now. And um, anyway, going down there, you, just, you can see probably 20 miles. And, and you're on a road and you can see the mountains on either side, and tableland. You can see it. And, uh, and, then, and then when you travel up to the, to the mountainous area where they grow coffee, you can, uh, you can, wherever you are, you know, get out of the vehicle, stand off the side of the road, look down on the mount, from the mountain, and you can see for miles, see the valley. And then you can see an expanse of land that's, that's taller than everything else. 
and then suddenly it just drops off. And that land is what that hymn writer called table land. It's higher than everything else, and you you have a different vision from that. You can see everything around in the valley. If you've ever had the experience of being in the mountains and looking down in the valley, see, you're higher. And see, God wants to take us higher spiritually than we have ever been. There are parts to the presence of God that none of us have ever sensed. And there's something about the presence of God when it intertwines with human personality. It's hard to talk about it without getting emotional. And it changes, uh, it changes, um, changes your motivations. Life is no longer about you. It's about Him. And it's not about what meets your needs. It's about what He loves and likes. You hear me? And it enables you to put up with anything and anybody. And, and with it comes this thing called grace. Grace is a supernatural ability God gives to do things you can't normally do. Grace saves you. How many hear me? And grace can enable you to go through any test, trial, difficulty, or deal with any human personality that drives you insane and love them anyway. Do you hear me? Uh, You can't do that by being religious. You do that from going into that pristine place that we sensed a little bit of today, the presence of Jesus. And he gets on you with himself. Let me tell you what he does. He brings his word alive. Y'all hear me? The Holy Spirit and the word go hand in hand. Anytime I've ever had the Holy Spirit minister to me, the Word comes right up. Do you hear me? We need to make sure the songs we're singing are full of the Word of God, or they'll lead us away from God instead of close to Him. Many songs are written bereft of the presence of God, and they're supposed to be worship songs. If the song is all about me and not Him, there's something wrong with it. Now, we can have songs that are, that, that are about our rights and privileges in Christ, and that's good, and who Jesus is and what he did. Redemptive truths are good. How many hear me? But they shouldn't center on us. Oh, back 15 years ago, so on a Wednesday night, we had somebody singing a song, and I like to went nuts. I don't know who wrote the song, and I won't even tell you about the song. Except the song was all about, oh, Lord, you love me. I'm so precious to you. Well, you know, I might be precious to him, But when I'm singing, I need to glorify him, not me. There's something about the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that brings change. You see, God again is drawing us. He's drawing us to himself. He's asking us. He's really asking us to search our hearts. And that's not a common thing in the 21st century in 2023. In fact, Paul said, was it... uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, test yourself. See whether you be in the faith. We don't like to test ourselves. Even the the Greek philosopher said an unexamined life is not worth living. 
And people aren't examining themselves today. Have you noticed the things that we're seeking to teach our children? The slant that our culture is going towards, it's towards destruction, not freedom. Absolute freedom from all restraint ends in destruction and lack of freedom. That's where we're headed. So the people who are, are throwing off the bonds, the chains of godliness from the Ten Commandments, for instance, they don't realize. And that's what our culture and the world's doing. Have you noticed? It's not going to produce freedom in the end. It produces bondage. Huh? You got a kid that likes to eat ice cream. You say, we can have a cup. Well, I want the whole thing. I want the whole half gallon. And then that other one over there too. And maybe he does it over and over again. Mom and daddy finally says, well, go on. He eats the whole half gallon. Mama, my belly hurts. Then he spends some time in the bathroom. That's a hard lesson to learn. You know what sometimes God will do for a a stubborn person? Will let them do what they want to do until they become miserable in doing what they're doing. There is a way that seems right to a man, Proverbs says, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Sometimes God will say, well, have it your own way. What did the prodigal, we just sang about the prodigal son this morning. What the prodigal sons, what, what did he do? Luke 15, here's the guy in Scripture. He went to his, his dad and he said, I want all of my inheritance before you die and I want it right now. He said, well, son, you need to wait. Don't, you know, don't be throwing it all away. He said, I want it right now. Hush and give it to me. So the father said, you got it. Go on, get it. He gambled all of his money away, drank all of his money away, partied all of his money away, and found himself with no food and nowhere to live. He's out in the pig pen eating the pods the pigs eat. He came to himself said, Lord, what have I done? So he took his inheritance and squandered it on himself. Now there's America today. That's the culture you're living in. Do you hear me? We're squandering away what God has given us. One day we'll wake up in the pig pen with nothing. You hear me? Our culture needs to hear this. (laughs) Prodigal son, that that guy, got away from his dad and away from his family. He said, oh man, even my dad's paid servants eat better. I'm not eating pig food, I am. And he went back to his father and said, Lord, he said, Father, I just, he was going to say, I I just want to be your slave. I want to, just pay me, I'll do some work. His father was so happy to see him. Put a ring on his finger, which noted, you know, that he loved him deeply. Put new clothes on him. Threw a party. Woo-hoo. My son that was lost is found. That's what God's doing today. He's drawing wayward hearts. Did you hear me? So see, what in you is wayward? If, if, I, if, if, if it came out of my mouth, what I feel in the atmosphere here, there are people here you're offended with your boss. There's people here offended with religious leaders. The people here you're at loss because of a spouse who betrayed you. 
There are other people here you're dealing with children who hardly will speak to you. There are others you have abuses in your life that have created such agony and pain that you put up walls of separation around yourself from others. You have a hard time even relating to God because of the pain because you don't want to feel anything. Did you hear me? Others, you're a letter of the law person. It's all got to be figured out in your head. You see, God's saying, I, I just want you to live from your heart. Breathe a little bit. Take a deep breath. Enjoy life. Don't be so harsh on yourself and others. Huh? It's in the atmosphere. See, others are dealing with the deceptive practices where you work. It's hard to say this one. You like the money you make more than honesty. It's going to cost you one day. Did you hear me? I don't like to say that one. I don't know if I should. Did y'all hear me? See, in America, we feel like we, everybody owes us something. You know what I found out? Nobody owes me anything. I found out, for me, I deserve to go to hell. Because without Jesus Christ, you would not like me. But you know, I think every day, is this okay to talk? You know, every day I think about what it was like when I was a teenager. Smoking pot, cheating and lying and all that. And every single day I say, God, thank you that you saved me from that. Because I wouldn't even be alive. And even though I'm a pastor and we got a church here and all this is happening, I still go back to that and say, Lord, I mean, but by the grace of God, and I see anybody with a, with a problem, with a need, with a lack that costs them. I say, that would be me. Most of my friends, most of you have heard me say this umpteen times, but most of my friends as a kid are dead. They never made it into their, some of them never made it into their 40s or 50s, others their 60s. They're gone because their profligate living did them in. You can only do excess for so long and then your chickens, as the old farmer said, come home to roost. Did you hear me? Now, on the other side of that's true, too. If you'll give your life to Jesus, He will buy you back. He will redeem your life. And he, he will restore what the enemy stole from you. And He'll restore what you stole from yourself. Your, in, your integrity, your dignity, your honor, your virtue. He'll restore it back. Jesus will restore it back. As long as you don't get proud about it. If you get proud about it, you say, well, let me show you something. Right? Why am I saying all that? We're, we're, we're living, and right now in this atmosphere, God wants to deal with our hearts. Now I want to change gears a minute. Everybody okay? Did, did that make sense at all? I don't have any notes. I've just got my Bible on my iPad, and I like it on my iPad because I can turn anywhere really fast. This other thing is on my heart, and it feels like it's in the atmosphere. So let me go to my reading history because I just, there it is right there. 
And this other thing came up as we were singing. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down, the feeble knees. Hebrews 12, 12, 13. Make straight paths for your feet so that which is lame may not be dislocated, but rather let it be healed. Pursue, pursue peace with all. And in this King, New King James I'm reading, uh, people, the word people is in italics. It wasn't there. Pursue peace with all and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Question, can you operate and live in perversion and see God? Our, let me say it again. Our modern culture has the idea that God loves everybody, and because God loves everybody, nobody's going to hell. The reality from the Bible is God loves everybody equally, but there'll be people that he sees in hell that he loves deeply and didn't want them to go. They just didn't do what was necessary to stay out. Did you hear that? And then the idea today, even in our music, is God is love. Because God is love, everything's wonderful. It's a wonderful world, you know. They just leave out one key ingredient. God is holy. In both Old and New Testament, the word holy simply means set apart, uh, distinct. So you've got everything, and here's this. It's over here. And see, God revealed himself to his old covenant people in the Old Testament as a holy God. See, the pagan gods. Go do your research. All the pagan gods were worshipped with all kinds of sexual immorality of every kind you could imagine. Everything they're wanting to do in America today was done by pagan cultures. Are you aware of that? And again, let me mention it for the fourth or fifth time. Jonathan Kahn has an excellent book, The Gods Have Returned. I've read the entire book. I'm about to go read it again because those demon spirits that move cultures in history, in antiquity, to worship false gods with uh, prostitutes, sexual immorality, homosexuality, lesbianism, transgender. Did you know there was even there were even among the gods of these people groups, little g gods, um, entities that they worshipped a man dressing as a woman, a woman dressing as a man, a man acting like a woman, and a woman acting like a man. Did you know that? Go look at history. Now, what does that tell you? The same things we're facing in American culture today. It's the same demons, the same devils. Did you hear me? Worship by heathen cultures. I've been to India, all over India, and I've been in a lot of Hindu temples. And a lot of them have these gaudy, ornate figures all the way up. Most of them are having sex with each other. It's pretty nasty to see. The culture we're living in to say God is holy. How many hear me? Everybody say God is, God is holy. holy. See, he, he, he is love, but He's also holy. So, so if you think that Him loving you can make up for a lack of holiness, you'll be surprised. Somebody said years ago, I heard him say, they're speaking, they said, Well, you know, when you get to heaven, there'll be several things that will surprise you. 
There'll be the people there that you didn't think would make it. You'll be surprised. And then you'll look around and you think there'll be people that are there that you think should be there and they won't be there. You'll be surprised. And lastly, they said, when you look around and see all that and see that you're there, you'll be surprised yourself. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. You know, you can be clean on the outside and not clean on the inside. You can wear the nicest shoes, nicest coat, most expensive pants, wear the smelliest perfume or cologne, and you're a pig inside. Is that true? That's why you can't tell what's at church. Is that true? You can't look at somebody and know anything about them. The devil even appears as an angel of light. Is that so? Yes. I mean, just because I'm up here, that doesn't mean anything. God called me to preach, but I got to live right. Oh, there's no anointing and there's no presence. So here's what's happening in the church. See, I just want you to be aware of what's happening here. The Holy Spirit is manifesting, and I have no idea the next phrase I'm going to say is just the strangest thing. It's scary actually. What was I about to say? Lord help me. What was that? What did I just say? What? The very last thing I said. Anybody remember? Yeah. God's wanting to deal with all of our insecurities. and Oh, here's where it was. Two things are happening in the church. Well, you're going to have churches that will be absent of the presence of Jesus. They're just going through the motions today. And then you'll have others. There'll be sprinklings and manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear me? You'll sense the presence of Jesus. There's a book entitled uh, Scenes Beyond the Grave, uh, that was um, edited by Gordon Lindsay, who was the founder of Christ for the Nation's Bible Institute in Dallas, Texas. He died in 1973. I have almost all of his books. The first Bible school I went to, we, I had to read most of his books. He was a prolific writer. Gordon Lindsay was a good friend of Kenneth Hagin. And he got a hold of some writings from a, uh, from a, a lady named uh, Marietta Davis, who in 1854 went into, well, she, she just went unconscious for nine days or so. And when she came out of that, uh, she talked differently. In fact, the book's actually hard to read because she wrote down, she visited heaven and then she visited hell. Now, the book carried some weight in my mind because Gordon Lindsay edited it. He just wouldn't put his name on just anything. So this was in 1854, but one thing, reason I mentioned the book was there was a part of that book, she was escorted into hell. And in hell, I, I, you know, it was a little riveting and a little upsetting to read it. She said there was a section of hell and there was a pastor behind a pulpit reading the Bible. And there were people who were the congregants sitting in chairs 
And they were listening to what the preacher's saying in hell. Now, that'll get your attention. You know what I'm saying? As a young man, when I read that book, that got my attention saying, whoa, because Jesus said, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father in heaven. You hear me? So just because you say you love Jesus, if you don't live like you love Jesus, there's another deal going on. Holiness. How did I get to all that? Pursue peace with all and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Look carefully. Looking carefully. Everybody okay? I'm watching the clock if nobody else is. What? Don't watch it. You want me to have them turn it around? I got one on my wrist too. Actually, there's one on my iPad. I'm looking at it right here. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest it, watch this. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. Looking carefully lest anyone. He's talking about holiness. He's talking about the presence of God. Pursue peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And then right on the heels of that, it seems like he's changing subject, same subject. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. Now a root of bitterness springing up caused trouble. I think the inference is that person has problems in life because of a root of bitterness. And to begin with, it's just them and the person they're dealing with. A root of angst, a root of anger, a root of uh, animosity, a root of um, unforgiveness. I'm trying to use different, different words to portray bitterness. A root of bitterness springing up in the initial stage, it bothers that person. But as it develops and by this, by what? By this root of bitterness that springs up that is causing trouble for the person by this root, many become defiled. What's that saying? So here's the skinny. If there's any person in my life that bothers me, hurt me, offended me, wounded me, put whatever adjective you want, all right? Did me wrong and I don't let them go, that can become a bitter root. So if mama forsook you and daddy fussed at you, you got to let it go. Somebody took advantage of you. Somebody defamed you in some way. Somebody abused you. You know, um, I've talked to so many people just by being in ministry since 1981 who have been abused in various ways. Sexual abuse is an awful thing. I've talked to ladies, one lady I'm thinking about right now, age two, her pastor sexually abused her. Now, what would that do to you? Tear you up? From age two to 12, she was abused sexually. Now, I'm going to tell you, she struggled with herself big time. I've met others who are sexually abused. I've, I've met people who were um, 
physically abused. I'm thinking of one young man, he told me at age five. He was in his 40s when he told me this. This is years, nobody would know who I'm talking about, so I can talk about it this way. There's nobody in our church, so I have to be careful as a pastor. But you wouldn't know this person. He told me at age, and this guy, his, his life was knotted up like a ball of yarn the cat had played with for three months. I mean, you couldn't hardly find the end of the yarn. He got to talking to me, I found out, at age five. His parents would put him in a chest, a big chest, where you put, you know, clothes and things in, and lock it, and leave him there for a while. That, that boy was twisted. And it created so many problems in his life that it took a while for the Lord to unknot the ball of yarn. You see, while I'm talking, let me just say, if there's anybody that has hurt you, let it go. You say, well, I, I can't. Yes, you can. By the grace of God, you can. Jesus said, is this okay, everybody all right? Mark eleven twenty five. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anybody, forgive them, let it go. So that your Father in heaven may forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses, your sins. That's pretty strong, isn't it? And then, of course, you know, there's a parable. The disciples came to Jesus. How often shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times. Seventy times seven in one day. The idea is an incalculable number. That means every time a person hurts you and offends you, you let them go and forgive them. And then you remember the parable that Jesus gave. He gave a story of a person who uh, owed a man, a debtor who owed a, owed a man a lot of money. We, let's just say, for instance, $25 million. And he didn't have $25 million to pay him back. He went to him and said, I can't pay you. The guy was, and he couldn't pay anything. The guy finally said, hey, it's up. Time's up. You got to pay me. Pay me my money. And he said, I don't have anything. Fell on his face, began to cry and say, please, have mercy on me. And I'll, I'll figure out a way. Help me. Just help me. And the guy had compassion on him, forgave him the $25 million debt. You know the story. And so this guy that was forgiven a $25 million debt, he had a, he had a friend. He had loaned, you know, $25. Give me my $25. Well, he got $25. Boy, I mean, he took him. He took him. Oh, you could say $2,500, whatever. And he wouldn't forgive him. And Jesus said that guy was thrown into prison. And he said, so it will be to the person who from his heart doesn't forgive every person who offends them. Now, I've been, have you ever been hurt in life? Huh? Have you ever been taken advantage of? Have you ever been stolen from? You know, I have an, a little rental house we rent out, and uh, I had an associate pastor of a church stay there one time. He still owes me money. But guess what? He owes me nothing because I had to let it go. Did you hear me? So you can be hurt and bruised and wounded and offended by some really great people. 
and you got to let it go. How many hear me? The people in the room, I'm telling you, you need to let it go. What are you going to do when you get to gate heaven? And God says, well, well we got to deal with this. Hey, hey, hey. Now, did you ever deal with daddy? Oh, no. Well, he, he's still hanging on to you. Did you ever deal with mama? Did you ever deal with your abuser? You let him go? No, that sorry rascal. Forgiving somebody doesn't mean that you think what they did was right. Did you hear me? Forgiving somebody means that they no longer hold it over you. They no longer are hanging on to your emotions and thoughts. You no longer carry them around with you. You have released them and let them go. And women in the room, you need to let go your ex-husband. He was a rascal and a half. Yes, he was. No, he shouldn't have had sex with those women, but he did. And he left you and the children to fend for yourself. Well, you know, unless he repents, his just deserts are somewhere. Right? But you shouldn't be the one that pays it. Right? Forgive if you have anything against anyone. Amplified New Testament says, Forgive if you have anything against anybody. Let it go. Let it drop. I like that. That means you're holding on to something. Well, I can't. I don't have that anymore. I know it's my Bible. I'm going to pick it up. But you get the idea, right? You drop it, you don't have it anymore. You don't hold it. What offenses do you have? Now, as a pastor, I have to tell you, with a church this size, you got people dealing with other, other ministry offenses. Somebody didn't treat them right. Somebody didn't recognize them. Somebody did wrong, wouldn't admit it. When I started my life in Jesus, I started out in a church where I didn't know what was wrong with the pastor. This taught me a big lesson. Everybody okay? And um, I actually had a Bible school in the church, very successful. I met Susan there, and uh, we went to another place, got married, long story. But... Uh, this guy was found out to be a charlatan. How many know God will honor his word even if you don't? Even if the vessel doesn't honor his word, God will honor his word. So, I mean, there was a lot going on there. Well, I won't, this guy was, was pretty seedy, and, and I, in prayer, picked it up. And um, I went to see him one day. And I called his night. He sat in his office. It was 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a win. The last... Um, the last day of February, 1979, I sat in this man's office, one o'clock in the afternoon, and I was going to say, well, here's what I was going to say, well, I've been praying, you know, up in the loft here behind the pipe organ, and God's dealing with me, something wrong here. I don't know what it is, but I'm praying God's going to reveal it. When I said that, you thought, you would think I was the devil's first cousin. He lit into me. And he began to lambast me in my character. Told me I was practicing witchcraft because I'm in rebellion. Told me I'm on my road to hell. It so affected my, I can't tell you how that thing, it was like somebody got a dagger and stuck it in my heart. Because my pastor, my spiritual leader, the person overseeing the Bible school I attended said that to me. Then they call Susan. Did they call you Susan? 
So you shouldn't be dating that guy. He's unstable. He'll be on his road to hell in five years. Now, y'all, guess what I had? I had some forgiveness to do. <laughs> huh? Now, I've forgiven that guy. He's gotten into so much trouble in his life. But you know what that did to me? It showed me that, you know what, Mitch? You've got to be tender towards people because you never know what they're dealing with. And you've got to forgive people and let them go. And then for me, as a pastor, I don't ever want to be like that. You get what I'm saying? But see, I had to let that go. And I've had things over the years. I've just had to forgive. And there's some things that have hurt me so deeply that every once in a while I'll say, Lord, here's my spiritual closet. Let's open the door. You know, that, 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 that. I want to make sure I've, I've gotten rid of it. I'm free from it. Because I don't want that root of bitterness to spring up and affect not just me and that, but other people. How many hear me? So it feels like I'm done. Second thing, I could go another vein, but eh, we've got so much time. See, those kind of things get in the way of our hearts. And today, God's wanting a heart. And as we go into our future, God wants our heart. How many hear me? It's not religion that's going to set you free. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. And see, that's heart stuff. And if you'll do it right, you come in your imperfection, your need, your loss, um, all of your misunderstandings, all of your challenges, all of your mistakes, all of your failures. You come to Jesus just as you are. The Baptist Church and uh, Billy Graham saying this in his, in his big uh, things he had in stadiums. Just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. And that you bidst me come to you, O Lord, I come. I like it. So I say, you come to Jesus just the way you are. He's, he doesn't expect perfection. He expects honesty. And he will take your honesty and start cleaning us up one level at a time. Is that good? When I came to Jesus as a young man, I had to deal with all these things. I had friends that did me wrong, girlfriend. I had one girl, if I told you, I had one girlfriend. She jumped out the second story window and eloped with another guy that worked with me. <laughs> I was ready to skin her. And then her dad comes looking for me where I worked. I thought he was going to kill me. Whoa. I mean, I had to forgive her. You know, that's just before I came to Jesus, got filled with the Holy Spirit. It's so... It so hurt my heart. I just laid in my room and looked at, looked at the ceiling for hours at a time, saying, oh, God, she left me. I had to forgive her, right? And here's what I found. I came to Jesus a little bit at a time. He'll start dealing with everything on your plate, one at a time. First thing he dealt with me about was my mouth. Then he dealt with my pride, my motivations, Next thing he dealt with was how I, how I looked at others and the judgments I had against others. And I could go on and on. He dealt with lust, all that stuff. See, he did it one little bit at a time. Because you'll be worshiping and he'll say, can we talk? And I say, uh-huh, what? And then he'll take you where you hadn't planned to go. And that's what he wanted to do today, but I felt the resistance. And see, you'll resist if you're holding on to things or, or you're hurt or you feel like you're, here's another one, you're not worthy enough. A lot of people feel like they're not worthy enough to bear the presence of God and for Him to love them. How many hear me? Amen. You know what? You'll never be worthy enough. 
for me, I mean, I was the I was the apple with the worm in the core. You know, I eat organic foods when I can. I eat I buy organic apples and one day I just bit into one and there was a worm. <laughs> and wash my mouth, you know. Yeah. A lot of good protein there, right? No. But see, that was me. I was the apple with the worm in it. I'm a rotten at the core. And that's what I felt about me. And see, Jesus had to bring me to himself and say, Mitch, it's not your conduct. It's not you on the outside. It's who you are on the inside. A cart contrite and humble heart. He will not despise. Did you hear me? And so I found out my righteousness really is filthy rags. But Jesus has given me his standing with God because of what he did for me. And he did that for you too. So you may be sitting here and you feel unworthy to worship and praise, to lift your hands, to get involved. Maybe you'd go to another church or maybe this one, but you don't want to get involved because you're not worthy. You'll never be worthy enough. Jesus is worthy for you. Is that good?